The Sports Pen lives here on ESPN-UP. Danner Hoops with you. Glad that you're with us Thursday afternoon. Show number two of 2019. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette is in studio with us. You have a good New Year's, Jake. You stay safe. You stayed smart. You're oh, here. Yeah, I'm here. Um, yeah, it was a good New Year's. It wasn't anything crazy. Uh, I've definitely had crazier New Year's in the past. But, mm. um, you know, just hung out in downtown Marquette a little bit. Saw the ball drop. There was a DJ playing outside. Um, Double Trouble DJs. They do an amazing job. Mm. Um, so they had like a little ball drop in Marquette. It was a nice little, you know, ceremony to ring in the new year and mm-hmm. got to hang out with some of the friends and, and things like that. So it was fun. I like to hear it. It was a little cold downtown. It's always cold downtown. It's always cold once you get up here to the UP. Yeah? Right. Yeah. There was nobody out up until probably about 10 minutes to uh, midnight. And then all of a sudden the streets were flooded with people. It was kind of insane. So um, it was a little cold, but, you know, I think it's going to warm up a little bit, though, in the next few days. That's what we're hoping for. Yeah, I could I'm, use I'm, a I'm little bit of that. I'm hearing he's supposed to get into the 40s, you know, around at least this area. That's so going to feel so nice. It'll be, it's going to be really nice. So nice. Well, I had a tour group come through this morning. There is a tour group that viewed our studios, viewed our offices and what have you. I got the pleasure of showing some great people around and how we work up here at ESPN-UP. I made the offer to this group of about 30 if anybody wanted to record something with me. And I got one taker. I got one taker. So here is the future of ESPN-UP and ESPN Broadcast. Brett Killinen with me on the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette. Biggest LeBron fan in the UP. Follows him to the Lakers. Hey, man, LeBron still not coming back with his groin injury. Ruled out for tonight's game. You nervous? No, not at all. I think it's actually a blessing in disguise because he needs a little bit of rest and it's going to force some of the other teammates to uh, really step it up here. Tell me about LeBron's move to the Lakers, how that will impact them going forward. Do they finish above a five seed over in the Western Conference this year? I think uh, I'm pretty optimistic for him. I'm hoping uh, conference finals. My thanks to Brett for coming on air with me. Did a great job, and he is the future of ESPN Radio, especially up here in the Upper Peninsula. Once again, Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you Thursday afternoon. Well, Jake, think back to high school. Did you ever notice that there was that one couple that sometimes they look so good together? Man, when they're on, they're on, and sometimes they just have a terrible, unhealthy relationship. They can see it. The whole world can see it. That's what the Steelers are going through right now with Antonio Brown, man. It is ending for them. I don't. I just don't see him in a Steelers uniform next season. And they back themselves into a corner because he's going to be 31 coming up this year. He's going to turn 31 in July. I mean, he's been one of the best receivers, if not the best, in football for the last, what, five years. But the numbers aren't on his side as he continues to age and get older, especially if he's looking for a new contract with somebody else down the line. Yeah, I mean, what a season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Great expectations entering the season. Um, And then, you know, once the season started getting going, you had this Le'Veon Bell issue. And then, you know, the locker room is now spreading apart with this Bell issue. The offensive line is calling out Bell. So there's all this drama. Uh, Mike Tomlin getting criticism for play calling throughout the season. Um, You know, Big Ben you know, always getting criticized and things like that. I don't think there was a day going by where, you know, it wasn't a complete soap opera. And when, then when you think it can't get any worse towards the end of the season, you have this Antonio Brown thing that was boiling all season long. I mean, this isn't something that just, you know, began towards this last week of the season. This has been ongoing, you know, um, when he started doing the Facebook Lives right after. I mean, who does that? Mm-hmm. When you, you, you go Facebook Live right after a win as the coach is talking, I mean, talk about, you know, disrespect, and that's just plain rude. Um, you know, so I question Antonio Brown. I've always questioned, you know, his actions. You know, I do think he's a diva. Um, you know, the they, NFL wideout being a diva. Yeah, you, you know him and, and Odell always mm-hmm. get criticism, but these guys like take it to the next level. You know, I'm, I'm, 
don't get me wrong. You know, I like my wide receivers. I like them to have a personality. I like them to have an edge. You know, I like them to have, you know, a little bit of a fire, you know, be a little out there. But, I mean, there is a point where it, it kind of gets to being just a little bit ridiculous. And um, as much as I know, you know, the Steelers have had these issues, when you're playing a must-win Week 17 game, basically a playoff game, um, and then from what I'm hearing, the practice, uh, a couple practices prior, uh, Ben Roethlisberger called him out on a route, and, mm-hmm. and you know, he pr- you know, he might have had the right to, um, and he felt it was kind of like degrading to him, and that's what st- started the whole thing. I mean, come on, dude. And then you don't call or t- talk to your teammates, and you expect to just show up. He had his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, talk to the organization saying, oh, he- he'll be available to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, dude. Um, like you said, he's 31 years old. His contract is, is massive. Um, you know, they have the up-and-coming uh, superstar in Juju Smith-Schuster. I think that's another reason um, they were saying Smith-Schuster was the team MVP. And that's another thing that kind of got under Brown's skin a little bit. But, I mean, if you're a good teammate, you would, you know, be happy for the guy, I would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in my eyes, I think, you know, I do think the Pittsburgh Steelers organization kind of messed up on a couple things here and there in the last couple years. But I just... Antonio Brown's is looking like a really bad teammate, a really bad person right now, and and like you said, I mean, we all know those couples back in high school, and yeah. it never ended well. No. So you know he's following the 49ers hard on social media, mm-hmm. you know, just to stir the pot a little bit and things like that. You know, he's doing all this strategically, um, but it's not looking like it's going to end well, and it's probably best for the Steelers to just kind of move on. I mean, the drama that this brings. You know, they could probably still get something pretty good for him if they wanted to trade him. Um, and who knows, man. I think it, it, it's best to cut ties right now. Um, I mean, it's just it's just too much. It's too much. And right now they gotta they got to refocus and, and figure out this thing out because they, they had a, a bad season this year, not, not living up to expectations. You mentioned a few things, Ben Roethlisberger being one of them. Now, Roethlisberger is an interesting guy. He has such a weird relationship with his teammates. It seems like he has a strained relationship with everybody on his team. Maybe that's because he's the only quarterback in the NFL that goes on live radio every week and openly criticizes his teammates. I mean, Roethlisberger is going to tell you how he sees it. You know, he is not going to hold back. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but either way, he wonders why he has strained relationships with his teammates. Right. Yeah. I mean, he does say what's on his mind. And um, for some players and some teammates, um, you respect that. You know, you kind of want to know what people are thinking. You don't want them to hold back their feelings or or, you know, opinions. And and for some, it rubs people the wrong way. I think for Antonio Brown, you know, he's he's one of those guys that, you know, you can get under his skin. easy. He's very emotional and and, and things like that. And he feels like he is owed something a little bit. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, Antonio Brown has been one of the best receivers in the NFL for years. And, you know, he's he's one of my favorite players. Obviously went to Central Michigan and, you know, and, and did some big things there for part of his career and things like that. And, you know, his if you know his story, he was an underdog sleeping in his car um, and things like that. So he came basically from nothing. So you got to love the guy's story. But once he got paid, man, money changes you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for Ben Roethlisberger, Maybe he kind of crossed the line a little bit, or maybe he was talking when he shouldn't have been. Um, it was just a perfect storm. I mean, it was a lot of things happening from both sides, um, and it, it's just the, the cherry on top of a very tumultuous, drama-filled soap opera that was the Pittsburgh Steelers season. It doesn't matter if you're a talented wideout. You have to be a talented wideout with thick skin or doesn't take things too seriously if you want to play with Ben Roethlisberger. He couldn't be the new quarterback in the New York Giants playing with Odell Beckham, a guy who went on – Facebook Live and criticized his quarterback, his city, his coaching staff, what have you. So Le'Veon Bell tweeted last night, where we going, big brother, and added Antonio Brown in it. Where are those two heading? If they go to New England, I will lose my ever-loving mind. What about if they go to Green Bay? That is what I wanted to bring up with you. Antonio Brown and Aaron Rodgers. In the last few good years that both of them have left, could you imagine? Right, and, you know, I was looking up, you know, NFL.com had this thing where it was like six possible landing spots for um, Antonio Brown potentially, and Green Bay was on that list. So, I mean, people are thinking about it. They obviously have two first-round draft picks. Um, I'm not sure how the cap space thing would work. They'd obviously have to shed some some things. But, I mean, if you're the Green Bay Packers organization, you're obviously looking into this um, very, very hard because you need to do something like that. You would need to bring somebody in like an Antonio Brown. I mean, 
Aaron Rodgers, Antonio Brown, Devontae Adams, and then whoever else, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Along with that running game that they have, and, and Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, two up-and-coming, um, very good one-two backs. I think they're going to be a really good tandem in the next coming years as they gain experience. I mean, that's exactly what you need. Then you just you know you t- trade one of those first-round picks and whatever else you need and build on that defense. I see that's I think that's a pretty good you know thing. The thing is, Aaron Rodgers is old. You know, the window's closing. Antonio Brown's getting up there in age, so. Um, you know, I think that they're perfectly lined up to where, you know, they can take that twilight of their career and try to do do the big thing, and that's when a Super Bowl. The Packers are a fun team right now for us in the sports media because they are in total win-now mode that no move is too unrealistic to think that it could be made. They are going to do anything they can to be winners here in the next year or two. One thing for the coach's sake, for another because they want to take advantage of Aaron Rodgers while he still can be effective on the football field. Green Bay is going to have a lot of fun in their front office. Brian Gutekunst, he's pretty much in the ultimate position, like fantasy football heaven for him because he can make about any move he wants, and it's going to get approved because they are in win-now mode. Right, yeah. I mean, you talk about an organization that's feeling just a lot of pressure um, from the outside, I mean, from the media, from from just everybody, um, their fans and everything. I mean, you know, it's been saying the window's been closing, the window's been closing, but I think right now, especially when you're talking about you're going to be losing some cornerstone pieces, I don't see Randall Cobb coming back, Matthews, um, very unlikely unless he wants to take a pay cut um, to come back, Um, but they've been kind of stuck in this very, you know, just blah mode. I mean, they're not really making too many good moves. Uh, Their drafts have been all right, but, you know, they're not keeping that young talent that, you know, their system is, you know, they want to they want to have like a farm team where they develop talent. But once they develop a talent, then they don't want to pay them. So obviously they're going to have to do something different. Um, Brian Gutekunst said, you know, we're going to be aggressive in free agency trying to sign some people. They say that every year. And I almost wonder, it's like, are they trying to sign some people and people just don't want to come to Green Bay or or is this this? Or are they not really just trying to sign some people and they're just saying, is it just smoke? I don't really know. But um, it's going to be interesting to see. Like I said, this is going to be a very crazy offseason for Green Bay. I think we're going to see a lot of change. Um, the roster is going to be definitely looking a little differently. And I hope they're going to need to make one of those big moves, man. They're going to, you know, they have two first-round draft picks. The draft right now, the way I see it, it's a very defensive-heavy draft. There's not really any game changers. Uh, you know, the Packers hold the 12th overall pick. Mm, you know, they could get somebody, but is it going to really be a game changer that's going to take them over the top this year to, to push for a Super Bowl or, you know, help that defense a lot? I don't see any superstars coming out of, out of you know, that pick. Um, offensive weapons, they need a receiver. Could they get it late in the first round? They could, but really are they going to be a, a lot better than the guys you have, mm-hmm. you know, who have a year of experience with Aaron Rodgers? I don't think so. So, you know, that kind of opens up the door for bringing, like, an Antonio Brown, a game changer. I think it would look good in the green and gold. We got to take a break, but I want to switch to the Lions real quickly. Jim Bob Cooter is out as offensive coordinator. Is more pressure to win now on Matt Patricia or Matthew Stafford? I think right now, I think Matt Patricia still has a lot to prove. Mm-hmm. I think this year was kind of just abysmal. Um, obviously, people are looking back at Jim Caldwell and saying, uh oh, yeah. you know, what did we do here? Mm-hmm. Um, Jim Bob Cooter, obviously, his play calling was in question a lot from what I'm hearing mm-hmm. for all the Lions fans, even at my station. Um, you know, praise the Lord that he's gone. I remember he was supposed to be the savior yep. <laughs> just a few years ago. They were talking about him being the head coach in, his name in is Detroit. Jim Bob Cooter. Jim Bob Cooter. expect him to be a savior. <laughs> People were saying Jim Bob Cooter because of his name was, you know, he was that unique name that maybe he was the next big thing. But, um, I think if they were right to get rid of him, obviously, he was kind of like a holdover from, from the Caldwell era. Um, but I think a lot of pressure is on Matt Patricia right now. I think he needs to come in and have a, a definitely a better year, obviously. Um, he he was getting questioned not only on the field, but his his style off the field as well with the players. It kind of seemed like he lost the locker room a lot, you know, pretty early on in the season. Um, you know, he was getting questioned on how he ran things and how he was coaching. So I think he has pressure to come in and, and have a big step forward and a, a big, you know, year of progress um because other otherwise i mean detroit fans are going to go they're going to riot jake durant from zbs marquette is in studio with us we'll take a timeout switch over to hoops after this michigan going for another win trying to remain unbeaten when they host penn state tonight that's next in the sports pen on espn up
Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Danner Hoops with you Thursday afternoon. Jake Durant in studio with us. Don't forget Westwood Patriot Boys basketball here on ESPN-UP this evening, live from Iron Mountain, Michigan. It's going to be a fun one. Westwood 6-1, and Iron Mountain 7-0, and obviously one of the teams to beat in the UP. A couple of really, really good players on that Mountaineer team and a place with a lot of basketball history. You see what Tom Izzo, and I know Mariucci's a football guy, but those two have certainly done a lot for that community. And I'm heading early because I have heard the Italian food very highly recommended. Can't wait. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think this is obviously the, be- the best game of the night. Uh, Westwood, I think, only has one loss this year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Iron Mountain um, undefeated. I mean, Westwood, they've played a lot of home games, you know, had a lot of home uh, games to play, and they've taken advantage. But, I mean, this Iron Mountain team, in my eyes, has state title, you know, uh, chances, mm-hmm. state title aspirations. I, even last year, you know, a lot of young talent. Talk about F- uh, Foster Wonders and Marcus Johnson, Jaden Vicenzi, um, and company. I mean, you know, the their starting five is really, really talented. They've been playing together for a long time. I'm um, going to be interesting to kind of see, um, you know, just how Westwood comes out and handles the adversity on the road against a really good team that, you know, can basically find scoring from from anywhere on the floor. So um, definitely a big one tonight to see where Westwood stands. And obviously when you're Iron Mountain, all the pressure's on you, so you want to stay undefeated. Another big one for the University of Michigan, second-ranked team in the country, one of just four unbeaten teams left in college basketball. They welcome Penn State. I tell you what, though, Penn State worries me. They're a team that worries me. If I were a Michigan fan, I don't want to overlook this game because Penn State is one of those teams that can sneak up on you if you're not careful. They're not necessarily a good team, but they are the perfect storm, and they epitomize a trap game. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, uh, the last few games for Michigan has, haven't been as impressive. Um, you know, a handful of games, actually. Um, and they've been known to, you know, offensively struggle a little bit to find to find the offense. Um, obviously, their defense has been pretty good. Obviously, they're going to have to keep it up. But they've struggled against zones um, and, you know, against, like you said, a Penn State team that's very scrappy, um, you know, not afraid of the moment. They're going to come in and, and, and be ready to give their best effort to try to defeat the number two team in the nation. Um, Michigan's going to have to come out. You know, Charles Matthews is going to have to do his thing. Jordan Poole's been playing really well. And uh, Ignis Bradzinkis. Yes, very you know, good. Freshman. Um, he is a freshman still, mm-hmm. so he's going to have to come in and play play his game. So it's going to be interesting to see. Really excited about this one. Obviously, I'm a huge Michigan fan. Um, love the the fact that they're number two in the nation. I want that number one. I want that number one spot. One of these, even if it's just for a week, just give me just give me the number one spot. Um, going to be a good one. I think Michigan wins. Uh, 10 points or more. Hmm. How about Minnesota visiting Wisconsin? Badgers ranked 22nd. Teams around here are really good in college basketball this season. You've got Michigan at number two, Michigan State at number eight, and Wisconsin at number 22. They spearhead a really good Big Ten this year that's well represented the top 25. Gophers obviously had high expectations last season under Rick Pitino, and the season didn't go nearly the way they thought it would. Badgers... And the Gophers, I could see that being a really good game. I mean, it wasn't supposed to be in football, and the Gophers won. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Wisconsin Badgers, they're a really consistent team. Um, Every year they seem to kind of reload and bring in talent that just fits their system. Um, Play a lot of team game. You don't really see too many star, star players. Uh, I know over the years they've had, you know, like Frank Kaminsky and guys like that uh, coming in. And, you know, they've had a really good skilled post players. Um, but you know they're just one of those teams that knows how to get it done um, year after year. They they're just very consistent, very uh, consistent scoring all over the floor. You know, play solid defense. So um, you know, I don't know a lot about the Minnesota team. Obviously, uh, Patino's a big name um, in college basketball. Not always for the the right mm-hmm. things, but I mean, you know, um, his son's a whole different person. So I'm not going to even say you know bring it, that into play, but. Um, definitely a, a game for Minnesota to prove that they, they can hang, and, and I think that would be a close one. Tanner Hoops along with Jake Durant from CBS Marquette and Studio with you. Let's switch to hockey and the World Junior Championships up in British Columbia. 
Yesterday was a fun day when you look at that tournament and all the movement that came out of it. First and foremost, the United States dominates the Czech Republic 3-1. to one. The U.S. has now won five straight World Junior Games against the Czechs, and during that span, they've outscored them 31-5. to five. And last night, another dominant effort for the United States as they move on to the semifinals, where they will meet Russia, who is the other best team left in the tournament, really, as Russia beat Slovakia yesterday, and they are on to the semis. They will take on the U.S. tomorrow, right as we're hitting the air at 4 o'clock. I'll have Ryan Stegen's studio. He'll be fun to break that down with. I don't know as much if the headlines consisted of the U.S. and Russia winning. They were supposed to. I think a lot of the headlines have to do with the fact that Sweden and Canada lost yesterday, especially the way it happened for the Canadians. They were 46 seconds away from moving on, a tournament that they pride themselves doing so well in. They got to host it this year. And then with 46 seconds left, Ele Tolvanen, the brother of Northern's goalie Ate, tied the game up. They go to overtime. Canada gets stopped on a penalty shot. They get a yawning cage, an exposed net, the guy shoots the puck and his stick breaks when it makes contact with the vulcanized rubber. I've never seen that before, but it's like God didn't want Canada to win. And then Finland comes basically with a five on four. He can't play with a broken stick. It's a penalty, and they score the game winner against DPA Truen. They bounce Canada in the quarterfinals. They're not going to medal in hockey. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about Canada, obviously loaded with talent, like you said, very, very prideful in the tournament, um, on their home soil. Um, supposed to do very well. Um, it's it's what's sad is they had so many opportunities. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, late in the game they could have won the game. Penalty shot, they could have won the game with the captain taking the shot. And then you know, I you texted me last night you're like you got to check this out because I I didn't tune into the game last night, but um, as soon as you told me that, you know, I watched it and and yeah, it kind of seemed like you know here it is, this is it, and then. Lo and behold, it's just some freak – I don't really know how to explain it. Some freak accident. And then obviously uh, I kind of think maybe Canada was a little bit kind of shocked at just kind of just what happened because mm-hmm. the net – I mean, if you guys – if you watch the video, the net was wide open. Mm-hmm. It was it was plain as day. It was like a layup. Um, stick breaks and then the momentum shifts really quickly and then before you know it, you blink, it's over. Yep. Heartbreak. So, um, I mean, what a game. What a game it was. And, uh, you know, it's it's – it's sad for for Canada, but I mean, you know, got to give it to to the other team. That you know, they they did what they had to do, and and they took down took down the Giants. So it was it was a good game. Just a theory, but do you think that TV salesmen and repairmen in Canada did really well today? Probably Record sales business wise. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna guess a lot of TVs were kind of kind of smashed. <laughs> you know, I mean, it would be interesting to see uh, one of those videos of of reactions. Mm-hmm. But but I mean, man, that has to be heartbreaking for Canadian fans. It has to be. Well, Finland is on to the semifinals where they will meet Switzerland, who upset Sweden. Sweden ran the table in pool play. They went 4-0. That included an overtime victory over the U.S. If there's anything in life you can count on, I said yesterday, death, taxes, and a Bill Belichick coach Patriot team winning at least 11 games every year. You can add the Swedes running the table in pool play of the World Juniors and blowing it in the tournament. They have won 47 straight pool play games at the World Juniors. They haven't lost in the uh, prelim round since 2007. They have one gold medal in that time. They just can't do it in the knockout stage. I mean, they can win games, just not when it counts. It seemed like, you know, bringing up football, they seem like the Kansas City Chiefs have all these amazing regular seasons and then go to the playoffs and lose. I mean, I don't don't know what what that would account to, but... um, yeah, it just doesn't seem like when the, when the time shines, they can't, they can't get it done. That's unfortunate for them. So they are on to the semifinals to square off with Finland. And once again, the U.S. gets Russia. The United States is going for a medal at this tournament for the fourth straight year. They won gold two years ago and picked up the bronze last year in Buffalo. Grant Petoni was part of that coaching staff as the United States looks to keep moving on. We'll keep moving on as well, getting away from hockey. Let's go. Back to football, just for a little bit. The Saints, last time they were 13-3, and and the number one seed in the playoffs was 2009. They won the Super Bowl that year. Their only losses, the three losses that season, were to the Buccaneers, the Cowboys, and the Panthers. This year's version of the Saints, 13-3, the number one overall seed, with losses to the Bucs, the Cowboys, and the Panthers. 
So if history says anything, it's on Drew Brees' side to be hosting the Super Bowl party at his place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I had, you know, if I was a betting man, I think mm. New Orleans would be the team coming out of the, the NFC. Especially, the, I mean, that home, home field advantage is, is just huge for the Saints. I mean, they're just a completely different team when you talk about, you know, playing there at, at their home dome. So, um, you know, that's a lot of interesting facts <laughs> that you, you dug up there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I have the Saints coming out of the NFC. I just think, you know, they're, the, the defense is just so good. I think it's underrated. Um, obviously, Drew Brees, I do see, you know, Alvin Kamara and, and Ingram as one of the best tandems, if not the best running back tandem. And then you got you got enough weapons on the outside and Mike Thomas and company um, to kind of hold. I think they're they're one of, you know, they're just the, the most complete team in my eyes. And, and they're fast, you know, they're fun to watch and they can score and, and they can take the ball away on defense. I think that's they have the, the formula to win to win a lot of games in the playoffs. And I think. Um, you know, they have a, as good a shot as any. I think that they're going to come out of the NFC, and, and if they hoisted the Super Bowl trophy, I mean, I would not be surprised. I mean, it's not unthinkable to think they could lose in New Orleans. I just don't know who's going to do it. And maybe the hottest team in the postseason will be whoever wins this Eagles-Bears game on Sunday. But will that be enough to knock off New Orleans in the Superdome? I see them and New England on a collision course, and... I, I'd like to see a little bit of fresh blood in there, not just Breeze and Brady repeating, but those are the two teams that I just think they have the best shot at doing it. I I just don't see two other teams knocking them off. Yeah, I mean, it would be inter- I think it would be interesting to see that that Bears team versus the the Saints. Um, you know, just with that that defense that they have, um, you know, they they have a lot of versatile defenders that could you know maybe slow down Breeze a little bit and. And you know, get to him, um, you know, pressure-wise with Khalil Mack and, and things. I think that'd be an interesting matchup. Um, I, the, the Bears' offense just scares me, and Trubisky kind of scares me. I'm not really a huge Trubisky believer just yet. I think that defense really carries that team. Um, it's hard for me to go against New England. I don't want to see New England. I know a lot of people out there can agree. I just don't want to see it again. I want to see Kansas City. I just don't think it'll happen. I don't want to see it again. I think it's going to be the Chargers, man. Hmm. I've been on the Chargers for a while. Um, they got a huge game against Baltimore. I know Baltimore just beat them a couple weeks ago. Lamar Jackson is an X factor, um, but you know I think they're going to be a lot more prepared for that offense and what they try to do. Obviously, the quarterback read option type type deal. I think they'll be a lot a lot better with that. Um, I'm going to go Saints. I'm going to go Chargers, and that's my Super Bowl. I think this the Chargers will go in and beat beat uh, the Patriots. It would be a close game. It would be like a field goal game, but I think they could do it. Jake Durant once again from CBS Marquette in studio with us. We'll take a timeout. We're up against a break when we come back. Fake news in sports hitting a little too close to home for me, not for you. That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Danner Hoops, Jake Durant with you Thursday afternoon. Here is your Sports Center update. Detroit goalie Jimmy Howard has been selected to represent the Atlantic Division at the NHL All Star Game. Dylan Larkin is on the last man in ballot. Caesars Casino becomes the first official casino to be sponsored by the NFL. Think back to a few years ago when they wouldn't let Tony Romo host a fantasy football show there. And finally, PETA. The animal organization PETA has called on the University of Texas and the University of Georgia to retire both of their live animal mascots after an incident at the Sugar Bowl a couple of nights ago when Bevo, the steer used by the University of Texas, charged Ugga, the bulldog, at the University of Georgia. They would like the universities. In the letter, they called upon them to return to costumed mascot who can lead cheers, react to the crowd, and pump up the team. That is your Sports Center update. Well, PETA's finding new ways to get involved. They're in the news, it seems like, a lot here as of late, huh? I mean, they're always involved. Um, that was a pretty interesting moment. It kind of foreshadowed the game a little bit. It did. You know, they, the, the mascot, the bull there, set the tone. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean... I don't know how I feel really about that. I'm not going to get into it, but obviously don't bring the dog around the the big animals. Is it bad when the best New Year's Six Bowl game was the Fiesta Bowl because UCF finally lost? Well, and it was probably the most competitive game of the New Year's Six Bowls too, but 
we're all kind of happy that UCF lost in one way or another. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing against UCF or anything like that, not to take away from you know anything they've done all season. But, I mean, towards the end of the year, they started talking a little bit too much. Um, and, yeah, I mean, LSU beat them. LSU had so many players missing too. So, um, you know, I, I kind of wonder what it would be like. And I know they had, like, Grant, Grant Delpit got ejected, mm-hmm. that they're uh, first-team All-American, that another uh, very important defender get uh, ejected as well for punching somebody. So, they, I mean, they were they had a lot of guys missing, and they still beat them. But it kind of shut up UCF a little bit, who, you know, was demanding that they, you know, were in the playoffs and things like that as an undefeated team. That was pretty funny. But I think it was funny that Georgia lost, too, because mm-hmm. their players were on social media talking all this smack saying we should have been in the, the football playoffs and things like that. But, I mean, it, it just shows. I, I just feel like a, a playoff would be great. I mm-hmm. mean, cause, because we'll see a lot of these games, a lot of upsets like this. Um, you know, anyone can lose on any given day. So, I mean, yeah, it was interesting. People are saying there's a case that we should go back to just two teams and subtract the four. And, I mean, this year was a fluke. This year there were two teams that were head and shoulders better than the rest of the country. Not always going to be like that. We've had the four seed perform pretty well in the last few years. Ohio State won it back in 2014 as the last seed to get in. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know really what happened to your Irish yeah. Oh, there. <laughs> How are you feeling about that game? <laughs> they ran into a significantly better team. Yeah, yeah. That was that was bad. I mean, I mean, Alabama's just just so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Alabama's going to win again. Um, and you know, Clemson is right there. Clemson is a team that you know brings in the talent. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's hard to say, but yeah, definitely two teams that are just way better. Um, and I don't ex- I expect the gap to close at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, I mean. Alabama is just so dominant. It's 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 kind of it's kind of just like you expect them to win every year now. So I don't mind Alabama though. I, I actually start rooting for Alabama come playoff time. So I still think that this is the best team Dabo has ever had at Clemson. I also think it's Saban's best team at Alabama, at least his most dynamic with Tua Tagovailoa at quarterback. So we're getting maybe the best versions of each team that this coach has ever had in their tenure squaring off for the title on Monday in Santa Clara. Yeah, and, you know, we've seen this these two teams play before, obviously, a few times. But uh, for some reason, I'm not, I'm not really getting tired of it just mm-hmm. because, I mean, they've been pretty good games. And, you know, each each team has won, you know, uh, at least won the game at least once. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of history in this in this game and, and a, just a lot of amazing players that we're going to see play on Sundays. And, and I just think it's it's going to be good. I You know, I'm a huge Tua fan. Um, you know, I think he's a really good talent. And, and uh yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, I can't wait. Well, I tell you what, ready for my fake news? Yeah. I told you I was going to go on a rant at some point today. I have not. He's not told me about this, by the way, so this is my <laughs> first time hearing it, so we're going to all hear it together. I told you I was going to do the rant. I never told you what it was about. Yeah. Fake news that hits a little too close to home. Now, I know we're a UP-based show, but travel with me about 10 hours away to northwestern Iowa right now. I went to a high school where 23 different languages were spoken. It was a very, very different, very unique culture than what you would think in Iowa, and I'm very grateful for that. It taught me a lot, uh, a lot about others and a lot about life, and, you know, that was something I wasn't going to get most places in Iowa, so I was thankful for that. Unfortunately, when that happens, you kind of have a target on your back from other schools. There are people who don't understand things like that as well as you would like them to, and they have maturing to do. We had a rivalry with a school about 20 miles down the road. You know, I'm not saying anything wrong about them or anything like that. It was a good old-fashioned rivalry. It was a heated rivalry. Unfortunately, the last few years, there is a sports writer at that school's hometown newspaper, the Cherokee Chronicle Times in Cherokee, Iowa, and he takes any opportunity he can to bash Storm Lake High School in my hometown. Also his hometown, by the way, but he went to St. Mary's High School, a different school than mine. So he takes any opportunity to put his own slant on what happened. And, you know, that's fine. It's up to him. I let his professionalism be in the eyes of the reader, what have you. Just not professional for my taste all the time. A few of the examples would be in 2015. When the two teams met in the annual football game, usually at the end of August to kick off the year, he said that Cherokee's 27-22 victory was partially marred because of fictitious flags and penalties. One of them being when, quote, 
a ball carrier crossed the end zone and stuck his finger in the sky to thank his Lord and Savior. A picture of the touchdown showed it was not, in fact, his index finger. He was lifting up, and he was giving an inappropriate gesture to some of the defensive backs. You know, maybe he was just mistaken. Later that year, excuse me, one year later, there was a basketball game in which Storm Lake went to Cherokee, and my alma mater won 85-47. to I had to call the game that night. One particular Storm Lake player had a great game, scored 33 points, and it's a rivalry. You know, he was pumped. He was excited about it. I personally, I didn't even notice it. I didn't think he was doing anything egregious, but the staff writer took offense to it. He decided to write that this player was afflicted by, quote, Cam Newton's look-at-me syndrome. He also referred to Storm Lake as, quote, a diverse county seat. Why? I mean, what does the diversity have to do with sports reporting, with writing, what have you? But there's more. This was in the last month, back in mid-December. They were at Storm Lake, my alma mater, for a game, a basketball game. This is a Cherokee team that they had high expectations for. You know, the coach's son is a junior. They had no seniors last year. They were getting better and better, and they had high expectations for them this year. Storm Lake drops 101 on them. In the recap for the newspaper's recap, this was by a different reporter, by the way, the same newspaper but different reporter. The story before the actual game recap came out said that a Storm Lake player received a technical foul, tried to enter the... Cherokee locker room at halftime and had to be restrained by his coaching staff. So that was the article that came out. And I saw that. I had no idea it happened until about five days later. I thought, if this is true, I mean, there's no defending that. So when I was in high school, security cameras were installed. I was there when it happened. The superintendent decided to pull the security cam footage, take a look if that's what happened. And it didn't happen. There was none of that on there. The Cherokee coaches were saying it happened, and so did this reporter, and they were wrong. So the school administrators meet up. They both decide to use it as a teachable moment. Should have been the end of it. You know, something was mistaken. Yesterday, Paul Strzok, the editor of the Cherokee Chronicle Times, came out with an article saying that video evidence, or lack of it, is not enough to prove that he didn't try to enter it at halftime because his reporter who was at the game said it happened, that his junior reporter's word is better than video evidence. Now, he wasn't at the game, by the way, but he had a few pretty good opinions on uh, what they should do about him, and I want to take a look at the article and make sure that I'm quoting this right, but it was kind of interesting in some of his word choices. At one point... He said that he believed his reporter, he had his back, and that if you asked anybody in the town, there would be a line of people all the way to, well, Somalia. That was a direct quote, later edited, and he took the Somalia part out. This player happens to be a first-generation African immigrant, and I think after uh, history shows his diverse county seat thing, I'm not going to say anything, but that's not a good look. That's... I think that says a lot about him. He said that despite both school superintendents, Stacy Cole of Storm Lake and Kim Lingenfelter of Cherokee, agreeing that no further action needed to be taken, he was going to stand by his junior reporter's accusations. In contact with Cherokee superintendent Kim Lingenfelter, Cole, Dr. Stacy Cole, Superintendent Storm Lake reported both administrators, like a sorority sister handshake, agreed that no further action was necessary involving the player in question, and Denny's story n- was made much out of nothing. It gets a little bit further, too, and I, I promise I'm almost done. I know I've been going on for a long time, but this has been upsetting me. The player in question, I mean, he's he's got a temper, okay? I know him, and he's a good kid, but he's got a temper... Probably a little too competitive sometimes. You know, something I'd like to see him work on. A couple of weeks ago, after the Cherokee game, there was another Storm Lake home game. And 
Stormlight won. As this player was leaving in the hallway, a father from the other team accosted him in the hallway, called him the N-word. And they got in an altercation. Both were arrested. Well, the newspaper decided to publish the arrest of a kid that lives about 30 minutes away with no mention of what started the argument, what have you. Something they've never done before. I mean, I know he's got a temper and everything, but I feel for this young man. You know, I've known him for a long time, and at some point, man, it just gets old when they print all this stuff about, you know, your school, and, you know, these are your friends, you know. You've grown up with these guys and grown close with them, and it just, it bothers me to no end. I did reach out to the newspaper. I offered to have him come on the show, Paul Strzok, who wrote the article yesterday. I offered to bring him on here, let him tell his side of the story. He has not gotten back to me about what his answer will be. So that's my rant, Jake. Thanks for listening to it. Thanks for letting me get that off my chest. Hey, man. Um, you know, obviously my first time hearing it. I, I don't know these people personally, um, you know, but I think there was a lot of misreporting from what, I, from what I can get off from what you're just telling me. You know, it's it's not a fair two-sided thing that's happening and obviously not fit, fair for the the player in question when he's getting racially slurred that shouldn't be tolerated at all um but like i said man i mean you, you do feel for a kid like that if he's if he's going through that and and for that paper i i think they need to uh you know kind of be careful and and um from what i hear you, you talk about the rivalry and things like that i just hear a lot of personal personal bias and, and personal attacks that probably shouldn't happen but like i said i mean I don't know the situation in full. I don't know, you know, a lot. But, I mean, yeah, from what I'm hearing, that's that's unfair, and then that's not right. Fake news hitting a little too close to home, courtesy of the Cherokee Chronicle Times in Cherokee, Iowa. Thanks for letting me get that off my chest. We're back to local sports and what have you after this. We'll finish this thing off on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you, joined by Jake Durant from CBS Marquette. Well, football season over for about 20 teams in the National Football League, and the others gearing up for the playoffs this weekend. Few of them, though, are gearing up for head coaches and seeing who can be hired where. Mike McCarthy was supposed to interview with the Browns today, and his interview's been pushed back to next week because the Browns are interviewing interim Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski. i tell you what, their offense was significantly better lately. They ran to a buzzsaw with the Bears' defense. Who hasn't? But why wouldn't they keep him and make him the permanent offensive coordinator? Finally, a guy who's going to work with Mike Zimmer. But instead... They bring in Hugh Jackson to interview for the job. That ain't it, Chief. You don't want to bring in Hugh Jackson. He took two teams in the same division to last place in the same season. You don't want that. You you question some of these moves that, that teams are making. And and um, it, it's crazy that people, like these coaches keep getting chances. I just, it's, it's crazy. I mean, yeah, I mean, history has shown he hasn't been a good candidate. So why are you even bringing him in? Um you know, Mike McCarthy going to the Browns, you know, I, obviously a fan of Mike McCarthy. I think he's a good coach. Um, I do see, you know, people are saying the Browns are a better job than Green Bay right now, which is kind of, it's it's crazy to me. And I know the Browns are coming up, but like you said, yeah, I don't, I don't see why um, the Vikings don't put a foot down and actually try to keep, keep somebody in there for a little consistency. Um, especially, you know, after, after the year they had, I think they need, they need to come back and try to bounce back even stronger. But, um, you know, it's the coaching carousel in the NFL. You know, coaches are trying to move move around and get into better positions and get paid more and things like that. So um, definitely going to be interesting to see where some of these coaches land. Um, there's a lot of openings, you know, a lot of coaches out there, um, you know, veteran coaches and, and up-and-comers, um, you know, that, that have a shot at, at these jobs. So it's going to be interesting to see. I want to I wanna know who the best, be, next big name is, and I hope he uh, lands in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah, because nobody was expecting Matt Nagy and Sean McVay to have the success that they're having this early in their coaching careers. Mike Zimmer, a lot of people are calling for his head. I think he's one of the best coaches in football. He was in a tough situation this season trying to balance his coordinator role, uh, at least his coordinator, and learning John DeFilippo's role. Mike Zimmer has won 45 games as head coach of the Vikings. Only four coaches have won more since he's took over. 
He's not going anywhere. And if you have another bad year next year, you really think he's the problem, it's the end of his contract next season. Send him out then. But do you really want Hugh Jackson waiting in the wings, ready to take over the Vikings job? A lot of people up here do, but you yeah. can't imagine that anyone in U.S. Bank Stadium would want that. No, I mean, I, I just don't get, uh, you know, organization fans. Um, yeah, the Vikings had n- not the greatest of years. Um, their their management is making questionable calls, signing quarterbacks for $84 million that probably don't deserve it. Um, you know, I called that out very early, by the way, mm-hmm. that that was a, a very bad move. Um, but Mike Zimmer, I mean, he's a player's coach. You know, he gets the best out of his players. Um, you know, he's been, done a lot for that Vikings organization already. Um, and like you said, Hugh Jackson, really, that's that, that's who you might have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Hugh Jackson was in a couple, you know, a bad position there in, in Cleveland or, have, or whatnot, you know, trying to rebuild that, that organization. But... You know, keep Mike Zimmer. Trust me, there's not a lot out there, um, you know, that, that's going to do better than what Mike Zimmer has done. Um, I think he's a really good coach, and, you know, if, if it was my team, I'd be happy with Mike Zimmer as my coach. Looking around the league and uh, maybe even out of it, a few other coaches that have made some headlines today. Manny Diaz never coached a game at Temple. He was there for about two weeks, and now he's back at Miami this time as Mark Rick's successor as the head coach. He cleaned house completely, and he fired the entire offensive staff at Miami today. These are guys that he was basically at the same level as assistant coaches on the Miami team and cuts ties with everybody. I mean, that just, I know he's a defensive guy, but that surprises me. Yeah, I mean, um, it doesn't surprise me that he he jumped right back on the Miami ship. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd rather be down at the University of Miami over Temple any day of the week. Um, you know, I, it's a decision you got to make if you if you want to start completely fresh and and uh, do what he did in clean house. I mean, as a coach, it's, it's you know you you want to have the best people that you feel fit. Um, but you have to think those were a lot of his friends mm-hmm. and a lot of close close people in his life. Uh, it, it, it might have been a little little awkward there. Um, but I mean, you can't blame the guy. It's it's his you know it's his staff. He's going to do what's best for, or what he feels is best for the the Hurricanes, and and um, you know I think he's going to be a good coach. I do. Elsewhere in coaching news, John Hines has been signed to an extension by the Devils. I can't imagine why they have underperformed for the expectations for them. Let's go to the NBA though. A losing effort last night for the Timberwolves, but some reason to be optimistic. Andrew Wiggins scored his seven thousandth career point as they fall in Boston. Wiggins is among an elite group in the sense that there are only six others that have ever scored 7,000 points faster than he did, or at least younger than him. Wiggins will turn 24 next month. But here are the players who did it at a younger age. Kevin Durant, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, Tracy McGrady, Kobe, and LeBron. I think there's a few Hall of Famers in that list. Yeah, definitely not Dwight Howard. <laughs> Why is Dwight Howard in that list? I, I forget Dwight Howard was was pretty was really back good in back in the day. You know, um, I mean, what a list that is. Mm-hmm. And you know, Andrew Wiggins, one of those you know, those um, unique talents. I, you know, coming out, he was supposed to be. You know, everyone was searching for the next LeBron. He he was up there saying he's the next big thing. And um, you know, he's there in Minnesota, and, and he's developed into a, a pretty good player. I mean, he's he's a highlight reel waiting to happen. Um, he's a scorer, like obviously, like you said, reaching that seven thousand point mark. Um, but that's very impressive. Uh, you know, they got a nice young nucleus. You know, the, the Timberwolves are right there. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what they need because it always seems like when they're about to finally take that leap and get over that hump, something something happens. Um, you know, there's. I hope they're just not one of those teams that just can never get it done. But um, I've always been an Andrew Wiggins fan. You know, that guy, he can jump out the gym. Uh, you know, he, he, like I said, he's very electric. He's just he's just a fun fun player to watch. And I mean, to be in that elite company, I mean, that's very very impressive. And and you just hope he can stick on that trajectory. He was he came into the league super young, so um, you know he's just getting better and his game's just developing. So um, he's just definitely one of those younger you know talents that that we can uh, look forward to watching for years to come. Minnesota seems to be the team that is perennially and perpetually right on the cusp of being good. They should be good, but for some reason they're not. So here's kind of a two-part question. Give me your thoughts on this. Is Andrew Wiggins a future NBA Hall of Famer? And part two is, 
can he do it in Minnesota, or does he need to go elsewhere? I think he should go elsewhere. I yeah. think he should go to a bigger market. I think he should, you know, get his name out there. And, I mean, if you're talking about numbers, Hall of Fame-wise, if he can stick in this in, into what he's doing and just get better, I think he can be a Hall of Famer. But uh, for him to be a Hall of Famer, he's going to need to play a significant role on a championship team and, and, and kind of, you know, be out there under the, the, the spotlight. Um, you know, maybe in L.A. or a bigger, just a bigger market. Um, the, the Timberwolves organization, they've always, you know, they've been good. They've had good teams, but they've never been able to, you know, do, you know, win, win it all and, and take that, that leap. Um, I think it's an organizational thing, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, when, you, you know, Wiggins contract up, I think, you know, if he could get to a bigger market, get his name out there more. Because, you know, a lot of people, you know, the diehard NBA fans know who Andrew Wiggins is, mm-hmm. but if you ask, you know, if you ask just a casual NBA fan, I don't think they know who would know who Andrew Wiggins is. Not like a Kevin Durant or LeBron James. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if he get to a bigger market, I see, you know, he could be a Hall of Famer. I don't see why not. Looking ahead to tonight, it is Kawhi's return to San Antonio. This time as a member of the Toronto Raptors. What's the over under on? 35 points. He scores 35 tonight. You picking under or over? I'm going over. Over. All right. I think Kawhi's going to have a big night. Um, I think he has something to prove. I think you're going to see him. Um, I mean, I would expect any player to who who's going back to his old team and has something to prove. Um, you know, as competitive he is and as as good as he is. Um, you know, I think he's going to. You know, 35. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go over. I don't know if it's going to be a lot, but I mean, I I expect him to be super aggressive. And I expect him to have a really good game. I think it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. You know, it's going to be interesting. I'm interested to see what kind of reaction he gets from the crowd. Hopefully, it's a little bit better than the Lakers gave Paul George recently. I'm hoping that they at least do something nice for him. And I know Greg Popovich, Patty Mills, and his former Spurs teammates and coaches they're hoping the same thing. Yeah, I mean the Spurs organization, they're you know they're a class act organization. I think you know they'll they'll do something nice. I don't think there'll be any bad blood. I think he's going to get booed. Mm-hmm. by the fans i think you're gonna hear a lot of booze that's all i know I, I don't think the fans are gonna be as nice especially if he drops over 35 on him and you're correct in your prediction it could be a long night for the boo birds but looks like it could be a good night for the raptors don't sleep on san antonio though the celtics were dominating them through one half the other night and then the Spurs go off for a 46-point third quarter and come back to win that game. It's, it's the Spurs. It's, it's Greg Popovich. It's the system. You know, they're always going to be in games, and, you know, you can never count them out. Um, you know, they're just one of those fundamentally sound teams that, you know, if you sleep on them, they're going to they're gonna beat you. So um, I don't think the Raptors are going to sleep on them. I think the Raptors are going to win tonight on the road. We're going to have to wait to see. If there's any coach in the NBA that's comparable to what Bill Belichick is in the NFL – is it Popovich? I know they're struggling this year, and he hasn't won nearly as many titles, but it's the NBA. I mean, we have about two teams that are competing for the title each of the last five years, realistically. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I always see them kind of like similar. I don't know if it's a personality, um, the way they're just kind of bland. You know, the, the coaching style isn't too out there. It's not crazy. They're not really in the media um, making sound bites. They're consistent. Um, and they don't like to switch things up, and, and, and they retain players, and, and they, they run their system. So um, I would have to say that. So that's a pretty good similarity. I would have to say that. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette in studio with us. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for being here again. Looking forward to next week if I don't run into you sooner. Yeah, thank, thanks, or thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on here. And, um, yeah, let's uh, have a good time watching this uh, NFL football this weekend. That's it for us here in the Sports Pen. Dan Hoop signing off for ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.